0: All right, we're back. Tex-Ax Radio presented by David Gardner's Jewelers. Let's go to the hotline. Joined by the voice of the Auburn Tigers, Andy Berkham here with us. What a great background, my friend. Good morning to you.
1: Good morning. How are you today? I'm good. That's uh, that's Samford Hall at uh, Sunrise. Looks beautiful. On the Auburn campus. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> so
0: l- let's talk a little bit about this program, the vibe around them, A, considering the hire that they made months back, and then the start, which I know it's been against some some lower level teams, but when you are trying to get your program back, that's how you start things off to give you hope as SEC play comes.
1: You know, it's really started since the day that Hugh Freeze was named the head coach back in November. Let me Let me go back even further. The last four games of last season, and I mean, last season was a, was a struggle to be sure at Auburn. And when Brian Harson was let go and Auburn named Carnell Williams as the interim head coach. And for those four games, and one of those games included the A&M game at Auburn, Auburn started a move back at that point. Now, Auburn wasn't a great team, but there were just a lot of things about Carnell and that staff, what he did in that last four games. Then when Hugh Freeze was named the head coach, he retains Carnell Williams as associate head coach, really does a good job of putting a staff together, and then started his recruiting, one for this current team. And there's several new names that you're going to see on that Auburn roster and really transformed a roster, thanks in great measure, to the transfer portal. And then they immediately went to work on the 24 class and the 25 class. He talked yesterday. Hugh Freeze at his weekly press conference about the next three teams on Auburn's schedule, Texas A&M, Georgia, and LSU. And those three teams are among the very best in the last several years as far as the recruiting numbers, the recruiting classes. And now Auburn's about to face those teams. And Auburn wants to get to that point. It's certainly on its way at this point, but he knows also the value of of these great recruiting classes that Auburn's about to face with the next three teams. And I think the staff that he brought in and the recruiting that he and his staff have done since November have given Auburn fans, the Auburn family, a great deal of optimism going into this season. Auburn is three and zero wins against UMass at Cal. And then last week at home against Samford. It also knows that the schedule picks up dramatically, <laughs> starting Saturday morning down in Cottage Station
0: how I know that Hugh was very emphatic about the amount of talent am has especially on the defensive line some of the results haven't been there over the last year and some change uh, the Miami loss still sings quite a bit here from a couple weeks ago how does Auburn look at this matchup overall
1: well that that's one of them the the, the the line of scrimmage and Auburn has been better with its offensive line this year a lot of new faces on that offensive line but it lost probably its most consistent offensive lineman last week in the win against Sanford and Cam Stutz, who was one of the few returners on that offensive line, and then also a junior college offensive tackle named Izabian. They call him Tootall Miller. Both of those guys went out. Now, whether they will play this week, I think is a question mark for Auburn. So I think that's one reason that he looks at that defensive line at Texas A&M with an offensive line where he did not finish last week's game with his right tackle and the right guard. And so I think that that gives him pause going in. Talk. But I think he also takes a look at at the other side of the ball and what Connor Wigman has done and that really good group of wide receivers with Aniah Smith and Evan Stewart and Moose Muhammad and others. It's a deep room and it's an athletic room. It's where Auburn would like to get with its group of wide receivers. And I think you're seeing that in the recruiting efforts moving forward. I think that's one of Auburn's big points of emphasis. Wide receivers one, offensive line two.
0: Andy, help me understand the way it works with the two-headed monster at quarterback. I mean, is it only run situations with Robbie Ashford? Is it, I mean, is, is he throwing a bit? Because that was one of the areas that I saw last year. I was like, I don't know about that. Uh, I'm, I know he can do it. He just didn't do it very much against A&M. Just your, your thoughts on how that is working. Okay.
1: The Cal game was, I think, a bit of an oddity for Auburn as far as the quarterback because neither quarterback performed especially well at Cal. And Auburn went to the two-headed monster probably more than would have liked to have done at Cal. And Auburn had one really good series offensively at Cal. Turned out to be the game-winning series. And and in that series, Peyton Thorne was, was effective for Auburn at the quarterback spot. A week ago, Monday, Hugh Free said we, we can't continue to do that. We've got a quarterback. We we can't alternate quarterbacks. And they didn't. And they didn't have to last week against Sanford. And then Robbie Ashford came in in the red zone a couple times. He is the best running quarterback that Auburn has. And then he finished off the game at quarterback and had a touchdown pass down the seam to a red shirt freshman uh, tight end. Micah Riley, Peyton Thorne on the other hand passed the ball effectively against Sanford but also had 123 yards rushing by far the most in his career that includes his time at Michigan State as well. I don't see him being a 100-yard rusher moving forward for Auburn especially when it comes to defenses like Auburn will face this week against Texas A&M but it does give Auburn some options at quarterback even if it's not Robbie, Robbie Ashford, there. I do think that Robbie Ashford, when he comes in, is still more of a primary runner uh, for Auburn. He does have the ability to pass, and it's something that he has to continue to get better at doing.
0: talking to Annie Burkham here on Tech AG's radio, The Voice of the Auburn Tigers. All right, you you alluded to it earlier, but this stretch that's coming up, these three next games brutal. Uh, uh, brutal. And that's life in the SEC. But for a team that is starting, um, their their SEC run i mean i can't think of a harder stretch to this so how important is this three game stretch to the overall success of the season
1: i think you can take any three games in the SEC for auburn and, and say the exact same thing i just think that these first three in the league are incredibly tough for auburn with an am team that i still be, that i think people here including this coaching staff believes this a m team is incredibly talented and take away the Miami game and it has played like that. And even in the Miami game, there are times where you can look and say, well, that AM team can still pass the ball. I mean, Connor Wigman's been good in all three games this year, hasn't he? Mm-hmm. At the quarterback spot for for the Aggies. And then you have the defending national champs in Georgia coming in. And for the longest time that was an incredibly even series down through the years of late Georgia has dominated the series with Auburn. And then Auburn goes on the road to tech or to LSU. And in doing so is trying to win. It's well, if the last time Auburn played at LSU was its first win in this century in Baton Rouge. So I think that's also why you look at these first three games in the league and you're like, Holy cow. These are really three very, very tough games to start SEC play. Again, with incredibly talented rosters, one being the two-time defending national champion in Georgia and tough places to go traditionally in Texas A&M and LSU on the other side. Whether this, listen, I mean, these are, and Auburn will, will likely be an underdog in all three games going into this this three game stretch coming up. And then by the way, it's conference for Auburn until mid November. So, you know, and it's the SEC West and we all know that the SEC West is the best division in the best conference in this country. Even though Georgia's on the other side.
0: All that being said, I know most teams in the West look at this as an opportunity because teams look vulnerable. Teams haven't played to the level that we expect the Bama to play. LSU had an issue against Florida State that looked pretty good against Mississippi State. But really, the West does seem open. Is it open enough for some of the teams from last year that weren't in the mix to be in the mix?
1: I suppose it is. I also think it's, it's very possible that some of these teams in the SEC West, like an LSU or an A&M or an Alabama, Put, start to put things together right now. I mean, we are in a day and age where we overreact on Monday to what happened on the weekend, and then things can completely change by the time your team plays on Saturday, and LSU's a great example of that. Yeah, on opening night against Florida State, there were flaws in that LSU team. They looked pretty darn good last week in Starkville against an offense that has given them fits in years past.
0: That is Andy Burkham, the voice of the Auburn Tigers. Andy, thanks so much for your time. I hope to see you here this weekend.
1: My pleasure. It's going to be a warm one, I
0: understand. Well, for us, it's not going to feel that warm because we've had 110 (laughs) forever, and now it's kind of
1: normal. (laughs) We'll see you there on Saturday morning, bright and early. Thank you, Andy. Take care, bud.
0: Take care. We'll see you. Andy Burkham, the voice of the Auburn Tigers.